Good morning, Lakeshore. Uh, as you can see, uh, Randy has not gotten taller and gained weight. <laughs> for those of you that are, that are just coming for the first time, uh, uh, my name is Michael Scherer, and I am the executive pastor here of Family Ministries at Lakeshore. And I'd like to welcome, first of all, uh, everybody at the Smyrna campus, everybody that's streaming online. We'd love, we're glad everybody's with us today. And I, I, we're going to continue today the I Love My Church series. Uh, now, today's sermon, if you want to call it that, I don't like to call what I do a sermon because I, it sounds so old. Uh, you know, because people like sermons. People, I like to teach. So let's call it a, a lesson. Can we do that? Are you okay with that? Because a lot of people don't like to be preached at anyway, so maybe, maybe don't need to be taught at either, but we're going to do that. But what I want to do today is, is this is not one of those sermons and, or lessons, if you will, that, that introduce something you've never heard before. This is actually going to be probably things that you've heard many times over. But what I wanted to do today was give it to you from my perspective. Uh, I've been in the ministry for some years now, and I've seen it different ways. And, and if somebody else was to preach this same sermon, they may give you uh, some different ideas from their perspective uh, based on some of the some scri same scriptures even. But what I want to do is I want to challenge you today. I really do. I want to challenge you. I want to commend you and encourage you because Lakeshore is a great place to be, and it's a great place to serve. And I thought how appropriate would it be to talk about service because if you love the church, then you're going to love to serve, right? That's just part of it. So I thought it'd be really appropriate to start with the one scripture that we all heard of. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 20, it says this, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all the parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts of one body. And then later on in verse 27, Paul says that you, the church, the body of Christ, and each one of you is, are, are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Um, I'm always an advocate to let people know that, that you are worth something. Obviously, anybody that's, that's, that's any kind of uh, a Christian or an encourager of any type is going to tell you that. But it's beyond that for me. Uh, when I was raised in a children's home, uh, the one thing that I always wanted was attention. Uh, some of you that know me are really surprised by that. But, but I, wanted, I wanted to be the center of attention. And if I did things sometimes that got on the house parents' nerves, obviously they let me know about it. But I'd continue to do what I wanted to do anyway because I wanted to be the center of attention. Well, one day, one of the house parents that I had uh, came up to me and, and wanted me to refocus my energy, so to speak. They had tried to do several things with me. Uh, they tried to give me piano lessons, that poor lady. <laughs> they tried to do all kinds of things to get me interested in doing something to direct my energy, if you will. I was what they called a hyper kid. Um, 
And so, I, and, and so they, you know, Ridland wasn't in, the, in play yet, but it should have been. But, you know, they did all these things to try to read. But what happened was this one day is I was at church and, and you know, one of the, most of you guys, when you see me on stage, it's usually to do what? Usually you see me singing, right? You know, I, I actually halfway thought, it was a bad thought, but I halfway thought maybe I should sing this sermon like Les Mis or something like that. <laughs> maybe y'all pay attention a little bit better then. Uh, or run away, either one, it would work. But, but the, the point is, is that I, I was given a purpose at the time. They said, they, they, they gave me this idea that, hey, Mike, won't you sing a little bit more and, and, and choir and, and do this? That's where you want to do your energy, you know, not over here breaking things and running over people, all that kind of stuff. And so I was given a purpose. I was given an idea of, of, of doing something using my talents and my gifts. And guys, that's no different than what I'm going to try to do today. Most of you have talents and gifts that you're not using for the kingdom of God. Simply stated, we are created to be different but with one purpose, to bring the gospel to the world. What would that look like? What would it look like if it was up to you? But we will hesitate to do that if our desire as the body of Christ is not backed up with some kind of action. Actions that are based on the love of God. Uh, this is where the different types of service, where the different types of people with different types of talents are needed. We already know what just one person can, can do to make a difference in this world, obviously, through the life of Jesus Christ. We already know what he did and what he's still doing. We have to decide, do we want to be that instrument to be used by God to make that difference? Well, here's a verse that I think will get us moving in the right direction. It comes from Mark chapter 12, verse 20 through 31. And I want you to really listen to this verse because this verse is really a, a, a heart punch or a stomach punch, however you want to look at it, to your soul. All right. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, them being Jesus and the lawyers. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, you've heard this. The most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. And the reason why I want to call this like a heart punch is because there's, it's like a conditional thing on, do you love God? Well, then if you do, then you're going to love others. And to love others, we need to do what? Serve them. We need to serve them. So how do we show that we love God? How do we show God that as his church, we will love others? Well, I believe I have a couple of ideas that actually might help, or at least at the very least will encourage you or challenge you but at the same time, give you fulfillment as a people who love God and love his church. And it all centers around service. And one statement that I learned a long time ago that actually helps, I believe it helps, is when you come to any kind of situation, when it comes into of any kind of service, it's, it's the attitude, obviously. But here's one thing we learned one time at a convention. And it was a simple statement, but, and you've probably heard this before, but it's, it, you can never say it too much. When you are serving other people or wanting to serve God, you remember this simple statement. It's not about me. It's about him. Now, that seems like a very simple statement, but when you have that kind of attitude, you'd be surprised how more apt you are to do things that you thought you could never do before or have a different kind of attitude at least to go into it. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about giving God 
all of me to him to be used by him for the kingdom of God. So how can we do that? Well, I think the first way that we can do that or we need to do that is we must deny ourselves. We must deny ourselves. What does that mean? Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says this. Then Jesus said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Now remember that Jesus has not been crucified yet when he made this statement. Here he is using the cross as a reference to his disciples. Jesus is able to use this reference because although Christ has yet to die in this manner, do you not think the disciples have seen this type of torture many times before to other citizens? So when Jesus used this analogy, the disciples got it. They knew that if they were going to follow Christ, it was going to come at a price. Now, that's no different than today. There's, it's no different. If you plan on following Jesus Christ, if you plan on being a follower of Jesus Christ, then you're going to have to know that it comes at a price. Now, I do believe this also, that the price is based on what you believe is the cost. What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to do in order to serve? The disciples are going to have to empty themselves of who they are just like we are too. When you deny yourself, what you're doing is you're denying who you are, taking out everything that you are, emptying yourself out, and letting Christ fill you. I believe when you have this attitude of brokenness, it will better prepare you for living the life of a servant, which is what Christ came to be as a reminder. Remember that Christ came to serve and not be served? which is what denying yourself does. Denying yourself helps you to take on the character of Christ, his DNA. And haven't we all been called to be imitators of Christ? Well, in case you didn't know, let me remind you. Philippians chapter two, verse three through seven. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider your others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. This is where uh, that big word we don't like to hear sometimes, humility, comes in. We've got to show a little bit of humility in our lives, a little bit of brokenness even. You will never be able to be the kind of servant you need to be if you feel the work that you have to do is beneath you or is somebody else's responsibility. We generally do not have a problem with the people that, we are, that are in need. We don't have a problem with the people that we need to serve. What we have a problem with sometimes is the work that we have to do in order to serve. There are things like, you know, we can go back to the old ditch digger days. You know, why would you need to dig a ditch? I don't know, but maybe somebody needs a ditch dug somewhere. Uh, we go downtown. Uh, if you have to go downtown and be amongst uh, some of the homeless people, some of their situations are not very good. But to be amongst them, you're going to have to bear it. Some other situations in third world countries. Believe it or not, some of us have problems serving within even a nice environment, such as this church, because of the work that's required. It's just too hard or too demanding. Maybe you're that person who believes that that you don't deserve to 
you know, be a type of servant for God because of your, your past or because of the sin in your life. Well, I've got good news for you. There's not a single church in America, even the guy standing on the stage, that doesn't have, have sin in his life. There is nobody who is perfect. So you don't have anybody to imitate or emulate other than Christ. Now, Christ being perfect, we have a lot to, to look up to and live up to, right? It's not going to happen. We're never going to be perfect like that. But what an example to try to follow. He came as a servant. He came to die. What better way to serve than to give us that chance for eternity? And we need to be willing, if you will, to do the dirty work that's necessary. And some of us got to get out of our comfort zones. We, we like to live in these little, these little bubbles that we've created for ourselves, especially when it comes to service, because we, we believe that you know, guys like me are paid to do it or other people that are more qualified, that are more extroverts or people that, that have that ability to be that. But you've got to find out in you what you can do for the kingdom of God. We have not been called to be the frozen chosen. <laughs> Being a Christian is a verb. It is an active thing. We are to live for Christ. And what we do is we imitate Christ by doing that. And how we do that is by serving. And we do that if we love. We'll touch on that in just a few minutes. One of the greatest examples of service is in John 13. We see Jesus washing the disciples' feet. One of the nastiest and lowliest jobs that you could have in that day. But more than focus on what Jesus was doing, I want you to focus on what Jesus said right after that. Just soon after that. He actually gave the disciples a new command. Did you ever catch that in reading that story about? He gave a new command. Now it's going to surprise you. It's one you've heard before. But the new command was simply this. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, by loving, by loving others, by showing love, by this, he says, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. There's a lot of ifs in some of these scriptures. You know why there's a lot of ifs? Because he's giving you a choice. He's giving you a choice. Now, even though you're given a choice, I like to say that we're commanded to do so. And that leads us to our next point. Because I believe it's another way that we show that we love God and we love his church. And that is by being dedicated to the mission. Which, go directly to your subpoint, is the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus said to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what are some of the, what are some of the ways that the unchurched are feeling today? I read a study that some of the ways that the unchurched are feeling today is they have a need for friendship, they have a need for love and understanding, and a need to feel freedom from guilt. I think we could all use that, right? Sounds like something that the church crowd needs to hear as well. Friendship, love and understanding, freedom from guilt. Are we meeting the needs of the unchurched in our community? It's a good question. Is Lakeshore a place where people can have meaningful relationships that develop into friendships covered in unconditional love, serving a Savior who can set you free from, from guilt and shame? Well, I'm here to answer that it, yes, it is. Lakeshore is a wonderful place to serve. 
not just within these walls, but outside these walls. We have a world who is in need of a Savior. And unless we're willing to get uncomfortable using our personal gifts and abilities, whatever that might be, we're not going to be able to reach the ones we need to reach. I believe that, um, that some of us are just unaware maybe of some of our talents. I can remember um, a story of a, a young girl at our, at our children's home. Um, she was so shy, this poor girl. Um, if you try to talk to her, she's one of those that just she ducked her head, you know, try to hide. She, her hairstyle was like to cover her face. You know, if she was a super introvert. But somehow at church, they convinced her to, to, to sing a solo. And when this girl sang, it was like an angel had just entered the room. She, had un, she was unaware of the talent she had. She was so shy and introverted. As far as she was concerned, it was, it was an ugly thing that she did. Guys, God created you. God made you who you are. God's the one that gave you your gifts and abilities. He's the one that gave you your purpose in life. He's the one that gave us the great commission to go. But it's up to you how you want to do that. That's the cool part. Now, we've got many ministries here in the church, obviously. We've got, you know, we've got the children's ministries. We've got preschool. Lord knows they need help. Um, we, I mean, there's so many things. We have a prayer ministry. We've got a, a visitation ministry. We've got some private ministries you don't know we have. Maybe we've got some new ministries based on what your talent is. You just got to step up and serve. I want to challenge you to do that, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be an organized event at the church. Man, just go out there and do it. Go out there and do it because God made you and made you strong enough to be able to. Another reason we need, another reason we need to be dedicated to the mission is because workers are few. The workers are few. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38 says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in the harvest field. You know what I like about this verse? Maybe something that maybe you haven't ever noticed before. The end of that scripture says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in his harvest. You know what that verse, right, that part means? If you're not sure where you need to plug in or, or where you need to fill in or where you need to be committed to in your service, ask God. Because guess what? There's lots of things out there and lots of people, lots of areas, lots of places that we need to be using your talents to serve. And if you're not sure where to go, who's the best place, person to go to to ask? Ask, for, ask God for discernment. You know, we used to go on a mission trip to Mexico in the area where, in Mexico where we used to go. We can't go anymore. Is it because we don't love the people anymore? No, we love the people there. But we have to show some discernment because the people that are there, they're killing missionaries. So we can't go there anymore. That's sad. So fortunately, we have people that are from there that are preaching and teaching the gospel. And so they're being effective anyway because they stepped up. They're using their talents and their abilities for the Lord in spite of the situation. And I just want to encourage you guys that there's a lot of people out there that need to hear the gospel and they need to hear it from you. You know, one of the things I used to encourage our students with when I was in, in youth ministry was, you know, nine times out of 10, if somebody comes to the Lord, it's going to be because of you, not me. 
I don't have a relationship with a lot of their friends or most of their friends. I don't, and, and same with you. You guys have relationships with people in your, in your circle or wherever you want to call it, in your realm of influence. Wherever you are, you have a relationship. And if you want to win somebody to Jesus Christ, use that relationship. We're not trying to trick people. We're trying to tell them the truth. But you can't tell people anything if you don't have a relationship. It's no secret they have a problem with some of the people downtown that are trying to preach the word. They have these big bullhorn things signs that are like three feet, you know, 30 feet tall. And they, they're just yelling at people about they're going to hell if they don't believe in Jesus. That's not the way to do it. You know, in all the years that I've ever seen people do that downtown, the only people I've ever seen approach them are people to debate them and to yell back. Nobody ever went up to them and said, yeah, please tell me your bullhorn has led me to Jesus. <laughs> I've never seen it. Because they don't have a relationship with those people. If anything, they're making those people feel lower than they already are. One of the things that, that the unchurched are feeling today is guilty of their shame and their sin. No different than the church. So if we're out there telling people that they're, that they're full of sin and full of shame, which they might be, but it's not our job to tell people that. We're not the judge. We're, we're called to serve them. We're called to love them. We're called to be there for them. Who is them? Everybody. You find out who that is based on your sphere of influence. That's what you're supposed to do. What talents do you use? Whatever you got. That's what you do. If you're not sure what your talent is, come talk to me afterwards. We'll find one. We will. We'll get you one. Because everybody has a talent. So part of what I want to ask you today is, is will you? Will you join with me and continue the work that is needed with, with, within these building walls and outside these building walls? We can never serve enough, guys. There's, there's plenty out there. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And unfortunately, my friends, we've got a lot of workers here that need to step up as well. And I know you want to. I know you do. You're maybe not sure how to go about that. Man, let us help you. Bathe it in prayer. Get somebody with you that's, that's already doing something. Let them be your prayer partner. They'll pray with you. Say, Let's find out what we can do to make a difference in this community and make a difference in the unchurched. John 12, 25, 26 says this. The man who loves me will lose his life, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servant also will be. My father, that's the part I like, my father will honor the one who serves me. I'm not sure how that honor, what that honor is going to be, but I like the way that sounds. My father will honor the one who serves me. And remember, that's what you're doing, because it's not about me, it's about him. The last reason we need to be dedicated is because if we don't become the servant we were created to be and share the gospel, who will? Who will? By using our gifts, we introduce people to Christ in order to win them to Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 18 through 23 says this, What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so, that, and so not make use of my rights in preaching it, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, 
To those not having the law, I become like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not under the law. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. So what we do is whatever it takes to win people to Jesus within the law. <laughs> I had students tell me one time, you said we do whatever we want to do. <laughs> no, 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 let's just get, let's roll that back in a little bit. <laughs> you know how it is to give students an answer. How long, how far does that go? But we do, we, we need to be able to, to do whatever it takes and be amongst whoever we need to be amongst to win them to Jesus. Now, obviously we don't do the saving, we do the introducing. God saves them. But we need to be willing to do it because it's not about me, it's about him. One final way that I, we can show we love God and love his church by serving is to continue to be disciplined. John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, then obey what I have commanded you. Are, are you hearing these verses? <laughs> I mean, th this is some pretty strong statements. He's saying, if you love me. Later on in that chapter, you know what he says? He says, if you don't love me, then you're not going to obey my commandments. That's some really powerful stuff. When you think about every time that we sin, what is that doing? Well, Hebrews 6, 6 says it's like nailing to the cross all over again. But he says, if you love me, then obey. Guys, I know you love God. I know you do. And I know it's tough sometimes. But you know what? Here's what we do. Here's what we do. The best way that we can, can show that we love God is never count out the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you shall receive power, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Guys, there's nothing that we can't do in Christ. He is giving us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We have that type of power at our disposal. So if you feel like you don't know what to say, you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do, man, rely on the Spirit to give you that strength to give you what you need to get you to the next level, the next step, or just get up, period. But the Holy Spirit is an important element that we can't forget. When Jesus left, he said, I'm going to leave a counselor. I'm going to leave a helper. He gave us this to use for our benefit, not just for our personal walk, but to use for others in the kingdom. Using the gifts and the talents you have for his kingdom, that's what we're supposed to be doing. It's that power that will help you to prioritize your responsibilities and give you ideas on ways we can serve. It is that power that will help you be discerning in your daily life as you exhibit, exude, and teach in love. It is that power that will help you model God's message. And for some of us, it is that power that, help, that will help you know what to pray for, whether it is here in this church or serving elsewhere. Remember, you never lose out by serving God. Never, wherever it is, no matter what it is, you never lose out. I wanted to end with, um, with a nice little, it's, it's like a poem, I guess you could say it is, but it's more a, a challenging statement that's got several verses to it. I found this story a while ago, and it's, it's, it's like, um, you know, when somebody 
passes away and you look at their tombstone, it has the, the birth date, dash, and then the death date. Well, this poem slash challenging verse, if you will, is talking about the dash. So when I read this, I want you to think about the dash. And I also want, to think, want you to think about if this was your dash. Here's how it goes. I read of a man who stood to speak at a funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke the following dates with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that you spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved you know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel. And be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often with a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they said about you and how you spent your dash? Father, we come to you now. I just want to thank you for the blessings you give us each and every day. We're thankful that we have a Savior who loves us, that in spite of us sometimes, you gave everything for us. I pray, God, that we use you as our example of service, remembering that you came to serve and not to be served, and that's how we should be. I just pray, God, that you, you give some of us a boldness that we've never had before. You give us a yearning that we've never had before to want to serve. If for any reason, Lord, it's because we love you, and, and we have to show that we love you. And I know that your love for us is not conditional. It's not. But man, we need to show how unconditional our love is for you as well. We just want to thank you for that. And I just want to challenge this congregation. Lord, you've given us a wonderful congregation. You've given us a, a, a wonderful place to, to serve between the Smyrna campus and the Antioch campus, Lord. And other places out amongst in our communities. Lord, just help us to, to reach out, to be that servant that you, that you want us to be by using those talents, using those abilities that you gave us, that you created us to have. And I just thank you for your love. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name.